Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune, covering breaking news and current events as it pertains to Bible prophecy. In effect, chronicling the coming of Christ the King. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune, this week's edition. Of course, May the 13th, 2017. We have some very serious issues going on. I take note that Iran has tested a high-speed torpedo in the Strait of Hormuz. Just take note that this is a super-cavitating torpedo. It really doesn't need a warhead. This mechanism works by it creates at high speeds a bubble, and it is actually traveling within that bubble. It's going so fast, upwards of 200 knots per hour, it'll simply go through anything it hits. Fantastic velocity, fantastic energy. We've had all kinds of problems speaking about that with submarines here as of late. This is out the 8th. Sri Lanka rejects China's request to dock a submarine. Now, on top of this, ladies and gentlemen, this week, the Royal Navy escorted a new Russian submarine through the Chennai off of the UK. Absolutely off the charts. Today we had an attack in Jordan, and is holding, or in Israel rather, and Jordan is holding Israel responsible for killing Jordanian citizens. A couple of strange news items today as owners' dogs mauled them to death. There's also been a rare outbreak of regime criticism in Iran, of course, as we were warning last week. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what the United States government is going to do. We have had a massive cyber attack in over 100 countries, and it shouldn't come to anybody's surprise that this was, in fact, an NSA cyber weapon. Ladies and gentlemen, it's off the charts how it comes out in CNBC on the 12th, that China is stepping up its game in emerging Asia as the U.S. pulls back. Ladies and gentlemen, this one came out in Forbes this week. Brace yourself for the coming economic transformation. It's amazing when you take a look at this data and realize that Over the past decade, the majority of this country has gone nowhere in wages. Anonymous just released a video warning people of a possible World War III. 
Turkey and Germany is to produce a new type of submarine for Indonesia. Ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't matter where you look to the left or to the right. Things are getting out of control. So fasten your seatbelts and get your trays into the upright position. Your host, Clinton Co-Watch, Brian Ingram, and I, Matthew Miller, have properly oiled the saddles. The steeds are ready to ride. Brace yourself, ladies and gentlemen. After all, the Catholics seem to think that today... World War Three was actually supposed to start. You never know. Tonight is young indeed. Why, you're going to pull those pistols and whistle Dixie. Let's ride.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get right into the saddle. Clinton, how was your week? Uh, say hello to all the listeners and uh, give us a little diatribe how your week went. Well, uh, it's been uh, very interesting. Uh, I mean, glad to be back here with you guys, and, and uh, thank you for listeners for joining us. Um, th- this week, it seems like every direction something is, is coming at you, um, either on a, a massive scale or even a personal scale. Um, and so it's, it's very interesting to see how things are put together. Uh, we see developments happening all over the world when it comes to the economics and, and you know, the beginnings of, of warfare, it seems like. And so it's just, it's been crazy trying to keep up with everything. Yes, it really has been. It's, it's I, I don't know even how to describe it. You know, here in the past 21 days, the last three episodes have been literally off the charts, ladies and gentlemen. Brian wants to jump in here and uh, say hello to everybody and let us know how your uh, week's progressed so far. What have you been looking into? Well, my week so far, I started out with all kinds of entertainment at the beginning of the week, which is rather atypical. And then further into the week, uh, well, let's see here. I'd say we've been kind of had to go into overdrive trying to piece together everything here that has just played out. Uh, I would have to say it's rather right in front of our eyes in broad daylight throughout this entire week. You know, and as I, as I recall the infamous uh, A Perfect Circle song from years back, as he whispers in there, go back to sleep. Because those war drums are banging, folks, and they're banging so loud at this stage, it is unbelievable. And that's, that's been my week. <laughs> Well, Clinton, why don't you jump right in here and start with your news diatribe. Bring everybody up to speed. What's been happening this week? Yeah, well, I, I wanted to just mention this uh, cyber hacking thing that's happened. I, I guess it was uh, one of the largest, if not the largest, uh, cyber hack um, on a global scale that we've seen. Uh, so over 100 uh, countries are infected of it, and it's actually kind of just by pure luck that it even stopped. Uh, from from the sounds of it, uh, it was spreading at a very rapid pace, and it wasn't until a, a 22-year-old British analyst, I guess, um, somehow went in and found that uh, where the source is coming from and, and saw that the domain name was never registered. So he registered it, or, or they registered it, and all of a sudden it, it stopped the cyber attack. Um, but it only, according to what they're saying, is going to stop it for, you know, a period of a couple of days until they work do a workaround. And then there's a strong possibility that either a that it continues on, or there's someone else that, that does it. Um, but you can see from you know the sources that were hit, it seems like it was more um, governmental agencies or higher end agencies that were affected by this hack. Um, and so this may be the new warfare. According to Russia, they were able to thwart uh, a lot of the attacks coming in, and it was stopped before it got to the United States. So we don't know what the United States stance would be or how we would respond to it, but it's going to um, continue to probably pop its head up. Um, to get into some other stuff, I, I, I wanted to, you know, I, I just came across something that was very interesting. It just says, you know, Trump wants to, you know, he's looking into um, repealing the repealed Glass-Steagall Act. And the Glass-Steagall Act was written in 1933 to uh, basically right after the Great Depression to make sure the Great Depression never happens again. 
And, and their whole structure was that they wanted to make sure the banks worked as banks, not as investment banks. So you, if you deposited money into a banking system, they couldn't then put it in the stock market. Well, in 1999, they reversed that. So that way it made it to where Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan and all these large banks could actually take your money that you invest and then they could invest it and whatever. And that's what created, you know, the dot-com bubble that, you know, not necessarily not dot-com bubble, but uh, a lot of people speculate this would create the derivative bubble um, was the combining of conventional banks and these investment banks. So, so Trump is actually thinking about repealing the repeal, which I kind of agree with. The, the only drawback to it is these banks are so huge. And so if you take a company like Goldman Sachs and say, Hey, you know, if you want to be conventional banking, you cannot, you know, do investment banking. It's going to break up the banks. And Donald Trump has said, well, he's actually thinking about it. He's in support of breaking up the banks and it'd probably be a, a good thing to do. Um, you know, this whole back in 2008, the, the banks are too big to fail. Well, they've gotten bigger and they've gotten bigger by quite a bit. So if we do progress down this path, the, the banking industry is going to have a substantial shock to it. Now, part of the reason to do that is we've been looking at uh, the Canadian uh, company Home Capital um, uh, up in Home, home uh, Capital Group up in Canada, and they are the uh, uh, largest um, alternative mortgage lender in all of Canada. Now, they uh, recently had uh, taken out like a one billion dollar loan, uh, trying to stay afloat, basically. Um, and the reason that they're having such problems. Staying afloat is because they do this conventional banking and investment banking kind of thing. Um, their conventional banking, their deposits have tanked drastically, and there have been a massive, in essence, bank run. Uh, people taking their deposits out of the bank. Um, you can actually see from March 25th of 2017 of this year, you know, they had over two billion dollars um, in, you know, uh, deposits. Since then. So in just two months, it's dropped to 192 million. So it's dropped almost 90% on the amount of money inside this bank that has been deposited in there. Now, the, the crazy thing is they just came out and um, sold $1.1 billion. And it's probably going to be closer to $1.5 billion worth of their mortgages. So they took out a loan of a billion dollars. Now they're selling another 1.5 billion of their main asset, which is mortgages. And to try to pay off some of this debt that they have or some of this, uh, how they're basically upside down. Now, to put it into contrast, they have, um, you know, they have guaranteed investment certificate deposits of $12.6 billion. So they, they have guaranteed that people have put in $12.6 billion or given out loans of $12.6 billion, but that they've guaranteed. They have enough available liquidity and credit to pay for 1.7 billion of it. So you have a difference of, you know, $11 billion that they don't have, that they don't have access to credit for, that they have guaranteed. So this is very similar to what happened with Lehman Brothers in 2008, one of the reasons that they came out. Now, the solution from this company is they are no longer going to be giving out loans for houses. You know, they're, they're going to be very strict on who they give it to, which means they're not going to really give out very many. And they're going to go into the mortgage sale business. And they have come out saying that, you know, they're not going to really give out loans to actually keep a, a loan or help someone out get a house. They're only going to do that so then they can sell it. 
So it, it's completely changing from uh, an actual mortgage company to more of a broker, um, which is going to change the entire housing industry up in Canada. So we're going to have major issues with the housing industry. And with it being Canada, we can you know see how that's going to spread to the United States as well. Um, we also have a, a development with oil production. You know, lots of people have been seeing you know gas prices go up, um, even though we hear that oil is being produced at a massive, massive level. Um, the the reason that gas prices going up is because the refineries uh, can't keep up with actually refining the the gasoline they take out of the oil or the oil they take out of the ground into gasoline. Well, now we have OPEC that is really struggling and they're begging the U.S. Uh, shale industry to stop producing oil because there's such a gluttony of inventory that the dollar or not the dollar, but the oil is, is dropping in value and it's crippling countries. And I think this is probably by design. If you look at Venezuela, that's exactly what happened in Venezuela is, you know, they, they relied primarily off of oil production. And when oil prices went down, Venezuela went into chaos and, and we can see the riots and the massive, distress that's going on in Venezuela from this. Well, the U.S. shale industry is going to continue doing their production. And uh, um, if war breaks out, and it looks like war drums are, are everywhere, then the United States is not going to be able to import as much oil as they did otherwise. So they have to produce lots of oil to sustain for whatever our economy needs during any time of global instability. So it's going to be crazy how that develops, but to have OPEC already crying and, and begging the U.S. Uh, shale industry to stop producing, we, we already have the science to see what their plan is. Um, now, when you look at the, the economy, and, and, and we've been talking about retail sales and how retail sales have been dropping drastically. Well, in April, um, from April 2016, so year to date, um, we, we saw that in Great Britain that retail sales actually went up 5.6%. But that was after, in March, it dropped by 1%. But they're not attributing it to people going out and buying products or houses or phones or TVs or whatever it may be. The increase is because of the cost of food. So the cost of food has gone up. So people are spending more money on food, which then shows that the sales have gone up because people are spending more money on food. It's just an indicator of inflation, which means the value of, for instance, in this case of the pound, it is dropping and it's costing more to purchase goods. Um, you know, total food sales increased by 3.6% um, over the last three months. Um, and that's faster than the 2% they anticipated. Um, otherwise, all other sales only went up 0.7%. So we know that food prices are going to go through the roof when inflation happens. And unfortunately, we're starting to see some of that happen in, in Great Britain. So it's going to be very crazy to see what happens from there. Now, if we see all these indicators of the economy going down and we see you know, housing starting to fluctuate, we see Donald Trump is talking about doing, you know, breaking up the major banks, then why are stock prices so high? And if you if you look at the the Dow, we have to where the Dow is is you know over twenty one thousand or over twenty thousand, and it seems like you know here recently it's been kind of just stabilizing, but you know for the most part it's been going up. But it it doesn't make any sense if you see all the indicators are are down. Well, the the if you look at what companies have been doing, they've actually been 
repurchasing their own stock. So they've been repurchasing their stock to bring the stock price up because you take the amount of inventory out of out of the you know, system. So then there's less of it, which causes the price to go up. And then if you look into insider selling, um, just type that in Google and you'll find probably 50, 60, 70, I don't know, lots of different articles talking about the executives of companies selling their, their stock. Well, typically that's an indicator that the CEOs or the uh, high end that have lots of stock believe that the stock is overvalued. Well, that's consistent if the company has been buying stock to prop the price up and now the executives are selling stock while it's high to make money that, uh, should be illegal. Oh wait, that's insider trading. But uh, uh, that's a, that's a, an indication of kind of what's happening when it, it when it happens on a small scale. Okay, it's normal. It happens you know every so often. But when it happens on a massive scale, where you see lots and lots of executives doing the same thing, and you have financial analysts saying that the the market is overvalued, then all the so-called smart money betting on the the market to go down, and that's exactly what we see. Now, from retail sales, we have over, I think it was over 3,500 stores have already closed. They anticipate at this pace that we're going to be over 8,000 by the end of the year. So retail is not doing very well, which means people are going to lose jobs. You know, when their business shuts up, they lose jobs. We also have this, you know, government purge that Donald Trump talks about where, you know, we're going to be cutting back on government jobs. And it's going to be no longer based off of tenure, but based off of, you know, production. So we're going to have massive job loss there as well. And then we also have, you know, companies like Elon Musk, who, who works for, or, or, you know, works for Tesla, coming out saying that, you know, in a, a world government summit in Dubai, that he anticipates that automation is going to affect the job market. And what he means by that is as they introduce computers and robots and other things to do the job of a human, then it's going to be harder to find work for the human. And then the only solution that can be done there is that there needs to be some kind of compensation given to the workforce. So some kind of stabilized income, as you could say, uh, some kind of free money. So that way people that either don't have a job or have a job, but it doesn't pay very well, can still pay their bills and, and make enough money to, to be able to sustain themselves. Um, this has been tested currently in Sweden. Um, and Finland actually just came out with the same kind of test. Uh, they always test it on a small scale to see what happens. Now, Finland's results are kind of expected, but advertised in a very uh, positive way. Uh, basically, they took people that are in poverty and gave them guaranteed income on top of whatever they were making at their jobs to help sustain for their cost of living. And they did a study and they found out, oh, well, stress levels went down drastically. All of a sudden these people are happier and pro more productivity and their lives aren't as stressful because they have more money. And this is a great thing to be able to give you know, free money to people because that's going to decrease stress levels. Well, of course. If you would just have corporations pay people, you know, a good wage to where you wouldn't have to, you know, struggle. If corporations didn't constantly raise prices every single year, just to increase their profit margin, which is what they do every single year, they're going to raise their prices because they want to 
continue making more money because the whole thing is how much did you grow from the year before? And when no one has any money to buy, well, that's the only thing you do. You know, your volume goes down and you raise your prices and there you're able to maintain or grow your business. That's just how it works. So we have corporations doing that all the time. And now it's getting to the point that they've pulled so much from the middle class or the lower class or whatever it may be that they have to introduce some kind of guaranteed income to help people live. And, and we know that the system ultimately is going to be uh, set up to where everyone has to be part of some kind of global system that you cannot buy or sell without participation in the system. Well, when you bring in guaranteed income, that, that is something that makes it very easy for people to go about becoming part of that system when they can't buy food or pay for housing or anything without it. So it, it's getting very, very crazy when it comes to the guaranteed income. Now, when you look at China and what China is actually doing with this uh, Belt and Road Forum that they're having and, and the big hoopla is they invited North Korea to, to join this. Well, what they should be focusing on is, well, the United States had pretty much a global market kind of, you know, taken over uh, in a way. We were at the head of it. We dictated the majority of the trade deals. We, everything had to go through the United States. We were able to import what we wanted to. And, you know, we, we didn't export as much as we needed to, but we didn't really make a lot of stuff, but we were pretty much in control. Um, well, since we have removed ourselves from TPP, we're talking about removing ourselves from NAFTA, where all these trade agreements that we had previously are going to the wayside. And China is stepping in. Uh, China is making a massive push to revitalize the old Silk Road that, you know, basically, you know, distributed uh, commerce from China to the rest of the world. And with the world economy that we have now and what China produces, when they incorporate this, which, you know, every indication shows that they will, when they incorporate this, everyone's going to have an easier way to purchase Chinese goods. And with their currency being as low as it is, you still have the price point being low, which means everyone's going to buy Chinese goods, which means we can't compete. So you can see this, this economic warfare that we've been talking about from the Western banks and the Eastern banks and, and how China is, is fighting a very smart fight in a way. Um, and, and we're not necessarily doing what we need to to help. It seems like we're we're in an essence trying to destroy the Western banking system or the, the system that the, the United States has been set up on. And, you know, many, many believe that the reason we're doing that is because the system is set up to fail anyhow, that we have already gone past the point of no return. Um, so the best example is if you look at what's going on with the EPA, um, if we completely remove and, and allow you know, the EPA to just go away, then we're able to do whatever we want to the environment and companies are going to make so much money because they don't have to go along with it. Well, same with, with, you know, the way that the, the banking system is set up, you know, if we continue down this, this system and it's going to fall apart, then, then it seems like the push is to make it fall apart quicker than, than later. So it's going to be interesting to see what develops from this Silk Road initiative, which from all indicators is everything is going very, very smoothly with it. Um, 
You know, and I, I wanted to talk about one other thing before I kind of turned it over. And this is, you know, just the, the fact that we're having Turkey and Erdogan is, is calling for um, the, the Muslim world to flood into Jerusalem to basically show the Dome of the Rock is, is important to them and, and vital to their religion and to not allow the Jewish people or the Christians or whoever it may be to take it over or do something to it. We, we don't know what their entire view is, but the, the push for Muslims to flood into the system in, into Jerusalem is going to be very problematic, especially considering that in nine days or 10 days, Donald Trump is supposed to be there. And he may actually do what he said he was going to do, which is recognize the entire city of Jerusalem from the United States standpoint as the capital of Israel. And this, this just is very interesting that he is talking about doing this, considering the, the UN has said they support the Eastern half to be part of Palestine. Russia and China have said the same thing. But the United States is talking about doing different. And now we have Turkey saying flood into Jerusalem because, well, this is going to be a hotbed. Well, we also have the Sanhedrin who are looking to do a ceremony to help with the coming sacrifices. They basically want to do a, a, a ritual to basically label the uh, borders of the city of Jerusalem because that is the first thing they have to do is actually set up the borders of the city because the sacrifices have to be done within the city and the, and the meat has to be left within the city as well for the certain um, offerings. For instance, like the peace offerings, the first fruits, the paschal lamb, um, the, the meat has to be eaten within the boundaries of the city. So they, it, the city can't be cut in half like what they want to do with what the Sanhedrin wants to do. So, so they're supposed to do this ceremony actually on May 30th. So we have Donald Trump coming in on the 22nd, 23rd. He's supposed to say, hey, you know, Jerusalem's going to be one city under Israel. Um, and then the Sanhedrin is going to do this ritual to set the boundaries. And they have said the only thing left after that point to do sacrifices is an altar. Um, so <laughs> we, we may be coming up into some heat very, very quickly. Because if they move with this and they actually are going to push on the Arab world in this direction and the Arab world is already saying, hey, we need to make a stance against this, then Jerusalem is going to be the, the burdensome stone more to the fact than what it actually is at this point. So in, in the next two weeks, you know, things may become very, very unhinged in a way. So I hope that got started, guys, and I'll, I'll kind of hand, hand it over to you now. I got one question for you, Clinton. Um, I remember you talking, uh, maybe it was when we spoke in privately, I'm not sure, but do we have banker bail-in laws in place currently in the United States? I believe so, and and I don't know if they did it uh, behind the scenes or not, but I know that things are already set up to do so because they've already initiated them, for instance, in Greece. Um, Greece, they've already done the, the bail-in, 
And whatever happens in one banking system that is consistent with ours, they, they're going to set up and do the same. It's like a test subject for when, when economic crisis happens. So the true answer is I don't know exactly if they have those laws on the books, but the regular answer is I believe, yes, the answer is true. This being the case, if you undo Glass-Steagall, the odds will be equal. Ladies and gentlemen, the odds will be equal. All the funny money that they're allowed to to play with and do what Clinton has described, buying their own stock, stuff like that. It's rem- Well, it is exactly a shadow of what Clinton told us about last week. The insurance companies, okay, they'll just say you're not qualified anymore, so they will say that, you know, half of all their constituency is, has pre-existing conditions, okay? I mean, you do realize that I watched quite a few town hall meetings day before yesterday. A couple of people was really mad, especially the woman that had a pre-existing condition because she'd had a baby. So because of this, Clinton described to us, he explained to us how that, well, a certain amount in the bank for every person that they're insuring. Well, if they let half of them go, they can just play with that money. Okay, this is a shadow of what's being described about the bankers. So in order to equal the odds, you'd have to first undo Glass-Steagall. Then they won't have their money to play with. Everything will begin to crash. And it's then that they will say they have to do a banker bailout. And we'll just have Clinton describe for us just exactly what happens during a banker bailout, Clinton. Like, let's say... (laughs) I have $1,000 in savings. What happens? Well, when they do a bail-in, basically they take those funds and you don't have access to them. And There may be an IOU given to you that you can have that money back, but what we've seen in Greece is, no, you just SOL. You just lose that money. Unfortunately, that's what I thought you were going to say, but... I hope I'm not the only one that that sees these baby steps. And all of you are wondering what's going through my mind. I'll tell you what's going through my mind. This whole POTUS situation we've had, the election, the Russians, the North Korea, the whole debacle, ladies and gentlemen, the whole debacle. It reminds me of when the children of Israel cried out for a king. God promptly provided them one and then shoved him down their throats. That's, that's just what I see these baby steps going toward. I mean, it seems like every week Clinton says just one little bitty thing, and I, I don't know, I just... I just catch on to it. But in order to equal the odds, okay, this is an excuse. If you undo Glass-Steagall, the entire population is going to realize that the bankers can't play with their money and keep the stock market elevated. So 
of their major constituents, which, by the way, is not you if you're making under $250,000. Don't even worry about it. They won't be touched, of course. But everybody else? Oh, ladies and gentlemen, how many of you actually get paychecks? Or have you not went down this road in your mind? Ladies and gentlemen, if you have direct deposit, well, what if your direct deposit goes nowhere? You're given an allowance like you were when you were 12. You go mow the grass, and daddy takes your money, and he gives you $2 of it. And then you stick that in the bank for your first car. <laughs> I hope you appreciate the analogy. I really do, because this looks like baby steps to me. Brian, why don't you jump on here and get headlong into your news? I know you've been uh, covering geopolitical things. Off the charts, the One Belt, One Road, we have all kinds of developments. We have submarines going here and there. And ladies and gentlemen, I hope all of you that have been listening to Brian and I for at least two years, remember that it, Brian and I described you in full detail what a super cavitation torpedo was. And the Iranians are testing them. By the way, I looked over all the technical data, and I really don't need any news sources to determine that, yes, the Iranians and the North Koreans have been working together on their sub-program. Just so everybody knows. And I see, it was quite entertaining this week, how they're taunting the Virginia-class attack sub, our newest attack sub. No, it's not. That's a piece of junk. Now, the one before it that we couldn't afford, the Seawolf-class, oh my goodness. I think we have three in operation, and believe me when I say that's all it... Of course, its whole dive pressure is classified. It is assumed that a Seawolf-class attack sub can actually endure a torpedo strike. Its hull is so hardened. But that's beside the point. Brian, why don't you jump right in here and uh, start off on your news diatribe. Looks like we've got exactly 20 minutes before the break, bud. Yeah, I'm not, I, I'm not even certain that 20 minutes is even going to be able to even touch this. Oh, my gosh. Where do we start? You know, where do we start with the developments that happened throughout this week? Earlier in the week, we had one of the Balkan uh, nations completely and absolutely fell apart as they came to make their vote. And then it basically toppled. And now all the countries around it, mainly Serbia, is starting to grab those things up. We had delegates that were sent into Macedonia. And this during this last week, who are pushing for the Albanian side of things with this Tirana platform. As yesterday, protests have broken out that are from the Albanian side of the pro-Tirana platform. Last night, when I went to do a check on Macedonian news, there was an absolute blackout. And I'm not even joking in the slightest. I kept getting nothing but nonstop repetitions of the storming of parliament that happened a couple of weeks ago and they were posting this as new news 
One little strange thing that's a little hard to verify came forward and basically stated that the Macedonian people have now started their own independent governing system, essentially, which is stated flat out. You don't let Zarev, who is the parliament member that is behind the Albanian side of things, even think about getting any leeway. This is treason, etc. So the more I began to dig into things there, Macedonia is ready to explode. We've got American diplomats over there, and their only chief reason, just as we stated last week, is to be in the Balkans stirring up trouble to stop the One Belt, One Road. And folks, I'm going to tell you right now, remember what I just said, because look, everything that we just had out play out during this week concerning this little cyber attack has everything to do with stopping that One Belt, One Road. And the United States is not joining hands with this. They realize this is a security threat to this nation's well-being and to our financial controlling empire across the world. We are not looking on this kindly. That's what happened here in the Balkans this week. Now, everybody, I don't know how much everybody paid attention to the events that happened at the late portion of this week because they managed to basically 100% blindside you by the firing of the FBI Director Spicer. And is this a major piece? Oh, I would most certainly say it was. Now, this very same day, within hours, while this all went down, we had Larov, the Russian delegate, prime minister, I believe he is off the top of my head, and the person that has been caught knee-deep and being accused of espionage on a continual basis as all these diplomats have met with him, they both walked right into the Oval Office as they basically released photos in broad daylight of them all there being buddy-buddy. But then they did the cherry on top of the cake because the next meeting was with Henry Kissinger. Now, in February 2016, Henry Kissinger released an article written by his own hand that talked about the fact that they've been working behind the scenes with Russia for many years. And it's right there in broad daylight, folks. There's no escaping what happened here this week. And with them on top of it going in and meeting with Kissinger, like I said, the cherry on top of the cake. But as it began to unravel even more because let me hit the rewind button. Earlier in the week, Trump sat down and he decided he was going to write a, you know, a, uh, what do you call that? An authorized letter, basically, you know, the little ones, the lawyers come in and sign it and says, I have nothing to do with Russia. That was a little peculiar, kind of caught my attention. And then, lo and behold, from Fox News, yes, I had to go in and watch the entertainment section as a whole group of people got forward all smiling away. And their one big speaker they had in there stated this flat out. Every other news source is reporting fake news concerning what's happening here. So, folks, what he told you in broad daylight, because, look, everybody, you realize who it is that's allowed into the Oval Office to discuss what's going on in the news with them. It is only Fox. And their other little, you know, we had Alex Jones before, and then we had the neo-Nazi Breitbart News 
was the other source who, mind you, Steve Bannon owns that. Yeah, those have been the only news sources that have been allowed access to what's going on. So they slipped it out there. Well, the real reason that they fired him was due to the fact that he refused to show them the intelligence documents concerning what has been collected on Russia. But it got better because, well, they made the statements throughout the week that this decision was basically based off of a quote-unquote attorney general and everything he's been doing and what he brought to the table, blah, blah, blah. And then they go through and, you know, they point out this guy served uh, multiple under multiple administrations, but you notice something that was key critical that was pointed out the entire way. The only people he's ever went at is people in the opposing party. It has only been Democrats and Democrats solely. But if we remember what happened the day previous as he fired him, he said this was not pre-planned. I had no indication of doing this. Then he turns around and goes on NPC News and lets them know I've been planning on doing this for ages. Because if everybody remembers correctly, the first big hearing that happened, when he came to the table and basically spilled the beans on what he had, it didn't look too good. But now let us look on top of what else. This week, the attorney general that was fired for stopping the travel ban, well, she came forward sat down on top of it with, you know, basically being interviewed by all of the governmental folks and parts of it have already slipped out in the open. And they said, well, you're, you're biased in this. So therefore we can't trust anything you say. And she goes, look, folks, I've worked under a multitude of administrations doing this very job. My sole job has always been to uphold the constitution. He was breaking the constitution. I therefore stepped in. They fired me. Let us not forget the other two people he did the same thing to, but now on top of it, Spicer, he did as well. Also, it began to circulate because now there's threats going on. You must not have tapes, et cetera, et cetera. Well, here's the problem. He sat Spicer down. Or ah, the FBI had, for some reason, this is fleeing my mind here in his name. Nonetheless, he sat him down. And he said, do you pledge alliance to me? Do you pledge allegiance to me? No. Folks, that's illegal. Yesterday on top of it, as if it wasn't getting more ridiculous by the minute already. Then he had a legal team come forward and release a statement on his tax returns that said he has no ties but minimal ones into Russia. You know, already I'm scratching my Scratching my, uh, you know, chin going, mm-hmm, this is cute. So on top of it, within hours, um, AFP and a few other news sources basically brought into broad daylight. It was even cuter because they gave you the direct link right to the site. Well, that, rush, that group of lawyers that he used just was awarded for being the top in Russia. Folks, let me get this straight here now. He released this nice little statement from his legal team, who, by the way, is the top law firm in Russia. Now, I watched some of the discussions going on throughout the week, and everyone was fixated 
on that firing of that FBI chief. Nay, yet they didn't see everything else that was going on. We received an email this week about a raid that was about to happen. Sure enough, pretty much within hours of once we were alerted to it, I went and looked, and guess what? That firm, the FBI, went in and raided a firm and took everything inside of it who is tied to Paul Manafort, who was the campaign manager, that they found out, hey, wait a minute, this guy was playing dirty politics with Russia and the Ukraine, and he was lifting this up. Well, you see, here's the funny thing, you know, so what they did is they went, he is a volunteer campaign manager, you know, to get rid of ties that couldn't, you know, get them in too much trouble. But what did they do here as well? I mean, it just, it gets more fun by the minute. So they basically went in and seized all this material from this lobbying firm who has direct ties to Paul Manafort. As a matter of fact, he's part of that firm. Now, here's a little nugget for you guys uh, out there and guys and gals out there who are listening. In yesterday's cyber attack, Ukraine was targeted. We had in April... The uh, banking head over there that had basically come through and started basically trying to topple all the corruption that was going on in there, which just so happened to be a bank that was linked to Paul Manafort, she walked out. The big story was released about all the details now that are basically coming into broad daylight of what happened with that bank there who's got Paul Manafort all over it. Now, everybody, I want to just for the time being, because it's going to take a while to get into this next bit. Take note of the fact that the top places that were hit yesterday were Russia, Ukraine, India, and Taiwan. Why was Ukraine hit? The same area on top of it where a bank manager just walked out last month that was found on top of it to be deeply tied with Paul Manafort again. Are we beginning to see a pattern? Let me point some things out here on top of it as well. See, Russia's not altogether certain what they're doing concerning this one belt, one road. They've got all kinds of other deals going on here in the background. Ukraine has definitely been a very sore source of contention. Has anybody been paying attention to Taiwan and the talks that are going on with the United States and Taiwan? Does everybody realize who it is that's manufacturing all of our iPhones? Oh, you best believe they went straight after that company. Their stock has been like pretty much soaring sky high. Because they're a major economic power player in the circumstance. But mind you, they've been having problems with who? With the one belt, one road. Now we've penned into effect a mega deal already with Taiwan, even though it was full, well-known, because that was one of the first calls that the elect had gotten was from Taiwan, and it already ticked China off. 
Why did he do that? Well, like I said, folks, those iPhones, who's got the highest, highest economic producing um, company here in this nation? A couple weeks ago, they made an announcement of the new iPhones coming out this fall for the anniversary. Well, it was a false announcement because they're not planning on doing that. And then watch the uh, stocks just drop. Boom. Straight to the floor. And then the announcement was made that that was not true. We are not releasing another one for what's happening here. You see, somebody used, well, I've talked about Sun Tzu's Art of War. Let's go to the simplicity of Sun Tzu's Art of War. The way this works is basically the easiest way to take down your enemy is without firing a single shot. You do it from within. Everybody, you need to know something right now. Every one of these major corporate heads, business people, anybody working in these departments, it is mandatory that they have that book and they read it. it is their manual of how they do business. And if you don't believe me, then go look into it. So we've got something much bigger sitting here on Let's say, um, let's see. Oh, yeah, that's right. I would have to wonder if we just saw what happened in World War I happen yesterday. You see, they had a scapegoat when uh, Archduke Franz Ferdinand was shot, even though nobody even cared. All the while, while Austria-Hungary's in the background mobilizing soldiers, their militaries are on their backs playing games to make sure this comes to pass. Then they start lobbing shells into Serbia just because, you know, they sent them a 10, 10 things that you must adhere to. And five of them were a joke because there was no way it was going to happen. But then on top of it, to make matters more fun, they made sure that whatever they said didn't even get back to them. See, they already had the forces mobilized and pretty much ready to go. And then they started lobbing shells. Everybody, I'm going to tell you right now, this shot that was fired yesterday with this cyber war, this is far bigger than anybody realizes. And everybody in the world that's anybody of any importance, especially within the corporate areas, with intelligence, within everything, knows full well that this was so major, it was absolutely ridiculous. Let's look at the map, because you can pull up a real-time map and see exactly where it started. The first target was Britain. Moved in through there. Basically, the mega major thing it hit was hospitals. But then it all of a sudden started to whip through that entire European corridor. Disabling trains, disabling infrastructure, targeting banks, shutting, them, shutting all these things down, folks. Shutting them all down. Causing absolute pandemonium. Any computer that's been affected by this, and look, I've, I've built computers. I've dealt with nonstop garbage attacking my computers. I know how all this stuff works. I've built Linux servers. I know how coding works. I know exactly what was done yesterday. With one flip of the switch, using NSA developed software, coding that was released by somebody within the intelligence community that to this day they can't figure out who 
the shadow broker is that just magically made its way onto the market. You see, everybody, I knew about that event when it happened. I had known all about what went down. And so when Julian Assange came forward and made his little claim that he was releasing those documents and heart software, ah, folks, sorry, it already happened. And it's been known about for ages. That shadow broker did it that time. On top of it, what did they target? Everybody go back and look a year ago. Go back and look at news a year ago concerning the threats that were leveled at Microsoft for their Windows operating system. Because what? It was built as nothing but an espionage machine. Or do people not realize where a lot of his funding has been coming from in the first place? Multiple nations came forward and threatened lawsuits. Does that strike everybody as a little peculiar? Because this target was directly, the machines targeted were all Microsoft systems, which it is known full well that those things were intentionally built full of security loopholes. Is this picture beginning to start to get clear? There's a very specific and tactical reason all of these places were hit. As we get ready to roll into the break, guys, take your comments because I'm going to get into explaining what just happened here yesterday and why this was a mega shot around the world. Well, Brian, this is what gets my attention about this terrorist attack that just occurred in Pakistan. I immediately did a search for it, and this is a headline uh, out of India itself. U.S. Pakistan ties to worsen if another high-profile terror attack happens in India. American intel chief. Now, who said this was the U.S. National Intelligence Director, Daniel Coates. That caught my attention. Well, why would that be? Next article, Brian, that uh, Iran slams terrorist attack in Pakistan's Bukistan. So I'm like, all right, let's see what really happens. It was workers that was attacked in Pakistan. This particular province... Let me just read this from WPR, okay? Why Pakistan is the natural flagship for China's One Belt, One Road initiative. It goes to a diatribe uh, listing all kinds uh, why this is the case. But this is case number three. Pakistan's long-term economic security is bolstered with the Chinese development of the Gadawar part in Bokistan province, which makes Pakistan less vulnerable in the event of an Indian blockade and of its two current major ports located in the greater Karachi area. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, it took me three articles to finally figure out what had happened. This terror attack was against the One Belt, One Road Port. That's what they well, were let me interject in. something here real fast. Last night, workers 
who were working on the One Belt, One Road in Pakistan were killed by men that drove up in motorcycles, killed them all, drove away. Earlier this week in Pakistan, a massive IED explosion that was targeting one of the chief uh, political figures in Pakistan took place. And the numbers that were killed were unbelievable. It caused absolute pandemonium. That's my interjection quick. Yes, I, I do what I usually do, and once I get the news, I search for photos on it, and I immediately came uh, came across some I didn't want to, because there were children gunned down, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and, ladies and gentlemen, you'll take note that, 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 that Brian and I tried to push this fact that we just sent Blackwater in there, Oh, ladies and gentlemen, so much to cover, so little time to do so. We are going to take a 10-minute, four-second break, set back, relax, listen to the Apocalypse Chapters 12 through 15. We'll be right back. You are listening to the End Time Tribune. The Revelation, Chapter 12. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pained to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and it cast them to the earth. The dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she had the place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent, called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. And he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the bond of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast under the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time and times, and half a time from the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth, 
and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. The Revelation chapter 13 And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns and upon his horns ten crowns and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name in his tabernacle, and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints, and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak, and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark on their right hand and on their foreheads. And that no man might buy or sell, save that he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred threescore and six. The Revelation, chapter 14. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Sion, and with him an hundred forty and four thousand, having his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne, and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. These are they which are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they were without fault before the throne of God. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, 
having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation, and kindred, and tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come, and worship Him that made heaven and earth, and the sea, and the fountains of waters. And there followed another angel, saying, Babylon is fallen, he is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast in his image, and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hands, the same shall drink the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels, and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up for ever and ever. And they have no rest day nor night, who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, they that may rest from their labors and their works to follow them. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud, thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud voice to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vines of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth, and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress, even unto the horse bridles, by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. The Revelation, chapter 15. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast, and over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. And after that I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. And the seven angels came out of the temple, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure and white linen, and having their breasts girded with golden girdles. And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials, full of the wrath of God, who liveth for ever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the End Time Tribune. It is good to be with you tonight. I think that Brian's going to jump right in here and get right back at it. 
But I wanted to get Clinton's comments first on what Brian had covered so far, his thoughts about what's going on uh, with the news that Brian covered. So, Clinton, you want to throw you in here before Brian takes back off? Yeah, well, you know, one other thing I wanted to add into the whole Pakistan thing is Iran um, has actually done, um, I guess, a retaliation move against Pakistan uh, for this, like, border warfare thing that happened where there was a couple that was uh, killed from from the Pakistanians. So that's going to be very interesting with uh, Iran and Pakistan, how that turmoil is developing there. We also see um, that there's starting to get a, a troop buildup in Afghanistan, which is on the other side of Pakistan. Uh, we have NATO that's talking about bringing troops in. We have Australia that's talking about bringing more troops in. I mean, the United States just dropped, you know, dropped uh, the mother of all bombs in Afghanistan. So that, you know, you're, you kind of have warfare or the development of it on both sides of Pakistan. And then you have the issue on the South side with India, which kind of makes sense. If you are, uh, are trying to develop one trade system and you have um, Afghanistan, which is, you know, a lot, a large portion of it is pro Russian, pro Chinese or moving in that direction. We have India that has ties with uh, China and Russia as well, but they're kind of playing both sides of the fence. Um, And then we have Iran uh, who is definitely pro uh, Russia and uh, China. So if you take out Pakistan, then you take out any opposition to any trade routes that may develop from there. And, and of course, you just continue down the line after that. You know, you have Iraq in control. You have Syria in control. You have Turkey in control. You have Greece that's destabilized, and then you have the Macedonia. So everything's being set up. So it, it kind of makes sense how things are playing out. Scary sense, but yes, I agree. Brian, jump right back in here and get back at it. Uh, I see that you just sent me a press release that I found very interesting indeed. So go ahead, Bri. You got the mic. Well, I am glad, actually, that Clinton piqued my memory here concerning Greece. Folks, it was released from Reuters yesterday. As a matter of fact, I was sitting there as it came out. Seven members had been added to... China's led Silk Road AIIB banking system. Let me give you this list because this now brings us to a totality of 77 countries. The new members are Bahrain. You might want to pay attention to these next two, everybody Bolivia and Chile, Cyprus, Greece, Romania and Samoa, bringing the bank's total membership to 77 countries. And let me double-check this here on top of it, because there's more going on on this, everybody. These other investments could include tunnels and highways across the Andes Mountains and ports to link Latin America and South America to Asia, Bucklet added. 13 prospective new AIIB members from around the world, including Canada, were approved in March. Expanded membership to Africa, Europe, and South America, along with the addition of further members in Asia, shows the level level of global commitment towards the bank's mission 
to illustrate the momentum that has gathered since 20 countries signed initial memoranda on establishing the bank less than three years ago, said Jin. The multilateral institution seen as a rival to the Western-dominated World Bank and Asian Development Bank was initially opposed by the United States, but attacked many U.S. allies, including Britain, Germany, Australia, and South Korea, are but attracted, not attacked, sorry, folks, once again, attracted many U.S. allies, including Britain, Germany, Australia, South Korea, as founding members. Now, as I stated here last night, beginning to see a major problem in this equation. Um, now, everybody here in the uh, New World, you do realize that South America is tied into this and Canada above us is tied into this. I mean, what what, what was that platform that uh, our commander-in-chief ran on about us being, um, oh, what was that, isolationist? To me, it seems like somebody's trying to isolate us because if they're making inroads with South America and Canada... That tells me we have a serious issue here, don't we? Now, on top of this, everybody, um, while this cyber attack was launched yesterday, is everybody aware that uh, the G7 finance meetings were also taking place? Um, Let me see here. Who's all included? Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, United Kingdom, United States and representing through the European Union. List of head of government. I got the finance ministers here. I got the whole ball of wax. Let's see here. What's this uh, headline? G7. Chief warns U.S. not to upset global growth. I think it's time we go backwards and have a little bit of a history lesson. Because I'm going to point this story out first before we go here. This was released this morning. States here 12 hours ago. Crest Energy buys out Western Zagros for $225 million. Erbil Kurdistan region. Western Zagros with oil operations in the Kurdistan region announced it has agreed to sell all its common shares to Crest Energy International for $225 million in the face of immediate financing requirements. Crest Acquire Company will provide the company with the funds necessary in order for the corporation to acquire all the outstanding common shares Western Zagros Resource Limited announced in a statement on Friday. It will result in Crest Acquire Company owning 100% of the company transaction to be completed by way of a plan of arrangement under the Business Corporations Act, Alberta, it added. Western Zagros is an international natural resources company. It shares trade in Canada. Western Zagros, though it is wholly owned subsidiaries, through it wholly owned subsidiaries, holds a 40% working interest in two production sharing contracts with the Kurdistan regional government 
in the Kurdistan region of Iraq, read the statement. Crest Energy is an affiliate of Crest Investment Company based out of Houston, Texas. We can kind of keep going here with this, folks. Um, everybody, just so you're full well aware, uh, the people in Kurdistan had a 40% share basis with this company. And now we just moved in a Texas oil company that completely snatched up the whole thing. Not only that, this morning reports began to come out that the Shiite-led militia groups that are retaking places in uh, Mosul, in Iraq, well, they went off on their own campaign and started clearing things out. And by the way, same thing is going on in Syria. And while we mentioned Kurdistan, this week it also broke a story that the, the one of the Kurdish groups that Turkey considers a terror unit and the United States has backed as well, stated we are going to overthrow Erdogan's regime. But before I go forward with the next set of events, it's time for a history lesson, everybody, because I pointed this out and asked this a uh, quadrillion times, I think, now at this point. Why is it, folks, Okay, we had those seven countries that were singled out, the ones that we're all bombing, but never mind the fact that we're not bombing uh, Iran, but yet they were on there. Oh, and guess what? They sidestepped that ruling to get it pressed through and pushed forward even more so by using a segregation law in which a school shut its doors to refuse to let minority people in the doors. And they've now decided to use that to justify this unconstitutional travel ban. But back to what I was saying. How many times, folks, have I stated, why are we bombing Sudan and Somalia? Let's go back in history here and discuss what happened as China has been basically breaking away from the uh, American dollar and trying to loosen those ties. Because, look, they realize, oh, well, guess what? The American dollar falls, so do they. So they had already basically started making massive deals all throughout Africa to be able to get the oil imports to go to them. This happened under the Bush administration when this all began. And then they had basically a little thing come forward where they said genocide was committed here. Now we need to mobilize the UN and NATO. Well, the investigations concerning that first claim of genocide were a little bit fishy, folks. Because not much earlier than that, in Sudan, they had announced that one of the richest oil deposits in the world had been found. And all of a sudden, regime changes were instituted, known full well that these people were aligned with the United States government as they brought in weapons, full-blown funding, and completely started absolute chaos there in order to do what? To sever these moves China was making so they weren't reliant on imports of oil from elsewhere in the world. And this goes real deep. Now, folks, you got to realize that that currency that they use in China it's locked into the United States dollar. 
basically worldwide, these people have to pretty much have an insurance policy with the IMF and the Fed to make sure that we don't collapse. And then they can run around collecting all kinds of money from behind the scenes. Economic turmoil continually caused to keep their enemies weak. This just kind of keeps going, everybody. And this is all verifiable through news, mainstream news sources, released documentation that's been declassified. This can keep going. You see, we don't need to go to conspiracy sites to find these things out, folks. All of this is actually in broad daylight. Not anything here has been hidden. That's one of the first shots that was fired where, essentially, as they refer to it, the Chinese Cold War had begun. Let me go over here and uh, amplify what was in the press briefing this week from the 12th of 2017. Now, this was brought up before, and they absolutely ignored it, so it came up again here. Mr. Spicer, I'm sorry, Jessica, then so we'll, you know, do the jazz. No idea here. Question, I wanted to ask you about the One Belt, One Road Summit that starts on Sunday in China. You announced yesterday or Secretary Ross did, that you're going to send a delegation to the summit. Can you talk about how you came to the conclusion why it's important for the U.S. to be represented at what's ostensibly a major trade initiative by a foreign country? Mr. Spicer goes on to reply. As you point, it is a major trade initiative. There are lots of ports, infrastructure, and they're looking to do through these discussions that Secretary Ross and Secretary Munikin and others had at Mar-a-Lago, and part of this, that is something they've done. We're going to continue work with them. Obviously, trade is a major issue for us, and what they're looking to do is of great importance to our economic, pay attention to this, let me amplify it, and national security. And they've asked us to send people to that. And we have them to attend to things that we're doing as well. There goes on more here. Let's see. Next question. Is the intended signal that the U.S. is going to participate in the One Belt, One Road initiative? Goes on to answer. I think we'll have a readout at this point. That's all we have on One Belt, One Road. And it just continues to get more fun. You can go through this uh, this document up at whitehouse.gov. This is directly released from them, everybody. They stated in here, this is a mega security threat. It's pretty much right here. But things get more interesting the more we look at this. As I brought up, that's what happened in our bill. Now, I had seen, caught wind of the fact that Russia was kind of a little on the fence about this uh, one belt, one road yesterday. And it kind of hit me. I need to go look at that again. So as you move forward, well, here's an interesting uh, article from the New York uh, Times. Behind China's one trillion plan to shake up the economic order. Yeah. But we have an article here. I believe this is TAS.com press review. 
that goes in and details everything that's going on here. And the article here is Russia-China to push ties at Beijing Forum and the U.S. not joining Normandy 4. Now, this article, this is Task Russian News Agency, as a matter of fact. So we're getting this from the horse's mouth, everybody. Goes on to detail Eurasian, uh, Eurasian connections with Russia and why it is that they still want to keep their EA, EA, EU strong in the face of growing Chinese power. Goes on to explain more details. As you go through this, you'll find out about Russia's Arctic development budget, which has possibly on the chopping block by 75%. But here's what I found really interesting. As you get down here, there's a very peculiar statement concerning something I've never heard of. As Vestra, U.S. refrains from joining Normandy 4. The United States is not going to join the Normandy Quartet, sources in Russian foreign ministry told Asvestria. Ukraine's aspirations to expand the format to five members does not fully correlate with the U.S. President Donald Trump's signals, who is more inclined to distance himself from the conflict in the east of Ukraine. Though under the previous administration, Washington was in favor of such a decision. So who is this group? Who in the world is this Normandy Quartet? All right. Here comes a story that I've tracked it down. This is from the 14th of May. I might actually be older than that because they didn't date this properly, which is a little frustrating. So who is this? Germany, France, Ukraine, and Russia. Who is there again? Germany, France, Ukraine, Russia. Remember, everybody, how I described how that cyber attack went out yesterday? It started in Britain and went where? It went like wildfire straight through that European corridor. Then where else did it go? Well, it went right to the Balkans. Then it began to light up a multitude of Asian countries. Hit Russia something fierce. All of a sudden, everybody stumbled and said, wait a minute, we can't blame Russia for this now. They hit Russian banks, all kinds of stuff. It blasted the Ukraine. And then we got these strange little anomalies in the mix because Taiwan wants nothing to do with the One Belt, One Road, and India is protesting it. Uh-oh. How is it that we have four nations that were the chief targets that are on the fence concerning One Belt, One Road when this article flatly tells us that Russia has got its own thing going on? And they're not altogether certain what they want to do. We had this released on uh, May 9th. Poroshenko Merkel note, need for Normandy format talks to continue with new French president. I haven't even looked at this. I can just imagine what's in here. This is, uh, uh, this is rather old. I'll just turn it off. Once again, this was in April 17th. This is talking about Kiev to implement Minsk Accords. And everybody, they've got trade locked down with Ukraine, not letting anything in or out at this point. If you go back and uh, reference that White House briefing, type in Ukraine, because something interesting comes up there, too. We have another article. 
came out of the uh, Sunday Guardian Live. India must take advantage of global economic turmoil. So just as Clinton has pointed out a multitude of times here, folks, you need to understand this corridor. You got India on one side clashing with Pakistan on the other side. Pakistan's in the midst of tying into this one belt, one road. India, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, folks. It is one of the richest nations in the world. It always has been. And they're standing against this one belt, one road. Came out yesterday, the stories I saw, they're literally launching protests. But Afghanistan, and I've been questioning about this here locally. Everybody kind of looks at me and says, huh? The Bible specifically tells us on top of it how resource-rich Afghanistan is. That river that goes there where the gold is good. I mean, everybody, you realize those areas through Pakistan and Afghanistan are what upheld the Ottoman Empire. They kept the entire system running. But, I mean, let us not forget also what's sitting there in Afghanistan. What about those poppy fields? Also came into light in the news this week. I was not aware of this. Well, guess what's going on down in Mexico? They got a great big poppy field running down there, too. And it's got all kinds of military surrounding it. I would have to say, folks, that there might be a lot more going on here than meets the eye concerning this little wall that they want to institute. They've got us wedged in. One belt, one road has already signed on with South America and with Canada. There's more and more and more. It just, there's no end in sight. Okay, everybody, there is no end in sight. This cyber attack yesterday was not a game. Every bit of this targeted major portions of the trade infrastructure. It was all targeted at the major trade routes. There was a specific pattern exactly who were the main ones that were hit the hardest. Maybe I should point something else out here, too. You see, I began to notice really strange things going on because I keep a very close eye on my um, firewall records for my router. And I noticed that there were some weird UDP floods and all sorts of strange things that were going back, obviously, to a spooked IP to make you think that a certain group was behind it when they weren't. Multiple people had reported that they were getting hit with brute force attacks by this group. Now, as I began to look in uh, things that were going on in the cyber realm, it was released in the news that in Germany, somebody has gotten their hands on hacking code that is capable of essentially taking over the banks and draining them, bypassing any two-point verification systems. You see, this is why the guy that was able to stop the attack yesterday, he was working for cyber intelligence. If you look, as I've looked over his direct statements that he released himself. Okay, I've read the exact thing that he wrote up with his own hand. That's a site I have watched for years because they are the, the top people concerning basically cybersecurity is that website. They were already in high overdrive because of the fact of this new uh, hacking 
coding software that had come out that's able to basically drain the banks and they can't stop it. This is why they were already in the midst of keeping an eye on something that was absolutely devastating. But something much more alarming all of a sudden walked into broad daylight. Because not only that, in the last couple of weeks, a report came out that stated there's an intelligence agency that nobody is able nor capable of identifying that is running mass espionage on a worldwide scale, and they have no way to track down who's doing it. Now, everybody, I want everyone to take note of, because you can go over on whitehouse.gov and find the new budget. They put in a denim right at the top that they are going to keep an eye on anybody who has come out of the military. And basically, they're automatically going to get jobs through their private contracting firms. Matthew brought up Blackwater being out there to deal with the Uyghur right there in that corridor. Folks, look, also have their own contractor intelligence group. And you need to be aware of this. You need to be full well aware of this. This week as well, we stumbled onto something where, well, the group that's supposed to actually be working, rounding up people for immigration, something real strange is happening. Because the amount of immigrants that they actually rounded up in this multi-set of things that's been going on here since the new administration has actually been American people, who on top of it are gang members. American game members. Well, let me be- refresh everybody's memory about what happened in Milwaukee um, the day before Trump showed up there for his campaign. There was a person that was killed and the entire minority community there exploded. An absolute pandemonium broke out on the streets. All the police officers were reporting directly through the Milwaukee news journals that Guerrilla warfare broke out on such a scale that there was absolutely nothing they could do about it. So I need to ask the serious question. um, Why are they rounding up American citizen gang members? I think I dropped a warhead there. It's time for me to let you guys come in. Well, I know this, Brian. Speaking of that, um, ladies and gentlemen, did you know that Cops are outnumbered just in Chicago, 12 to 1. Here, I'm going to read from an article this week. According to an article published by the Chicago Sun-Times, some of these gangs have agreed to start using automatic weapons against the police. The meeting took place Thursday between higher-ups from the Vice Lords, Black Disciples, and Four Corner Hustlers according to an alert issued to department members the day after the meeting. The Four Corner Hustler provides guns and have a sniper in place, though the authorities do not know where, according to the alert. The Four Corners Hustlers are now supplying the other two gangs with automatic weapons, which all three factions have also agreed to use against police, the alert states. No wonder the police suicide rate in Chicago is 60% higher than the national average. And... All this probably has some simple fact that uh, in 2016, the totals are in, and 89,000 people left Chicago. 
and this makes you wonder what's really going on. Uh, this is uh, from OpportunityInUrbanism.org. The flight from the nation's major metro- metropolitan area core counties increased 60% during 2016. Ladies and gentlemen, 321,000 more residents left the core counties than moved in last year. So, and I have something just just along the lines of those gangs. Um, just to let you know that people are seriously fleeing um, the 10 core counties in this country. So the, all of the counties that include the major metropolitan areas here. Now, This is something I want to cover. I know I don't have much time left. Something got my attention. Um, And when something gets my attention, that's that's probably not a good thing. I was looking in on tariffs and imports. Headline from Blomberg. And another headline from Routers. Bankrupt U.S. company seeks new tariffs on cheap imports. So I pulled it up. The name of the company that it's talking about is Suniva. However, in Bloomberg, it was this article was published. China-owned U.S. solar maker seeks U.S. tariffs on China imports. Now, this is the gist of it, ladies and gentlemen. This is just off the charts. We have foreign companies outright running our Senate and Congress to the point where they're playing games with the tariffs. So here's what happens. This is from uh, the Reuters article. Okay, Bankrupt U.S. solar panel maker Suniva on Wednesday asked federal trade officials to recommend new duties on imported solar products to combat the global oversupply of panels that has depressed prices and made American products unable to compete. The company, which was founded in Georgia, but sold to the Hong Kong-based Sunfeng International Clean Energy in 2015, filed a rare Section 201 petition with the U.S. International Trade Commission nine days after seeking Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. Oh, my God. Do you not understand what is going on? This company comes in, buys an American company that makes solar panels, bankrupts them, then turns around to get imports off the other people coming in. And you're like, well, is the other countries doing that? Well, yes, it is. Because the U.S. arm of Germany's Solar World AG succeeded twice in 2012 in convincing the U.S. to set duties on solar products from China and Taiwan albeit through a different federal process. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, so this has gotten so bad that the foreign corporations will come over here and pay our senators and congressmen to set tariffs on the competition that just happens to be Germany. So Germany will come in, and they'll do it from a different way other than filing a Section 201 petition. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is just off the charts. And by the way, one of the primary things that happens, of course, was with tariffs instigating the world wars. Right now, we've got um, the Canadians mad because we've slapped tariffs on their lumber. Right here's one article that says that eight countries have been slapped with tariffs on steel. Right here's another one. Oil suffers its fur loss in four sessions as U.S. output, output concerns flare up. Because, ladies and gentlemen, in other we're, we're putting tariffs on other people's oil, but not everybody. It's it's literally blowing me away when I take an in-depth look at this. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. Literally, ladies and gentlemen, the not even American corporations, it's foreign corporations coming in here and literally looting us. I mean, of course you'd want to do that. I mean, that article plainly said that they come over they bought an American company, then filed bankruptcy on it, and not only that, wanted to put tariffs on the other countries that were producing similar types of products. Oh my goodness. On top of all of this, you know, we have this from CNBC. Okay? This was Friday. Stocks close lower as retail tanks. Macy's alone plunges 17%. Has the looting begun? No. But ladies and gentlemen, you have in mainstream news sources out in the open telling the American people that, hey, uh, there's foreign companies coming over and buying your businesses, then they declare bankruptcy on them. And by the way, while they're doing it, they'll go underhandedly and they'll put tariffs on the other countries that are importing similar products. This got nothing to do with the American people, by the way, just, just, just so you all know. It's got nothing to do with you. These foreign corporations are literally fighting over this, well, the scraps, ladies and gentlemen. This bothers me. Another one, Routers Today, settles Russian money laundering case. Well, okay, how, what, what do you mean settle? That means that you know money was being laundered, but nobody was prosecuted. It's just, it's off the charts. It's absolutely off the charts. We're also going after Mexico. Uh, we've already slapped tariffs on sugar coming from there. We're going to do corn and everything else. Well, ladies and gentlemen, just so you know, um, this was one of the major instigators of World War. There's trade wars, and it's already begun right here. So let's get Clinton on. Uh, for his closing thoughts as we wind down here. But absolutely amazing, ladies and gentlemen, right out in the open. The American people just don't realize what these corporations are doing, even with our tariff laws. It's it's off the charts. It's it's unbelievable. I mean it's almost like 
everybody knows, especially these CEOs of these guys. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, a CEO of GM just sold a bunch of his stocks. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been covering on here. I know Clinton has talked about it a couple of times against uh, uh, about particularly the auto loans. It blows me away. So Clinton, come on here um, for your uh, closing thoughts, please. Uh, we've got eight minutes left. Yeah, I just wanted to say one thing about the uh, Chinese company that owns an American company that filed for bankruptcy. It's not like they get a file for bankruptcy and then the Chinese government bails them out. It's the United States government, which means the taxpayers are bailing out a Chinese corporation for filing bankruptcy in our country. Uh, if that's not a conflict of interest, then I don't know what it is. But this just gives one little tidbit of how the system has been manipulated uh, to cater to those in power. And you can see the development of the economic war. There's always an economic war before there's an actual war. war. Um, and the problem is we have things developing for a war war. Um, you know, one little tidbit is we have Egypt, who is having issues with ISIS in the Sinai Peninsula, actually did an Air Force attack against Libya and, and destroyed 15 trucks um, that were carrying supplies and weaponry in Libya. So we have Egypt going across borders into another country attacking people. And then we have the United States, uh, we have the Trump administration that has come out saying that they plan on approving, actually they did approve, uh, providing uh, guns and arms to the Kurds, um, which is going to make a lot of people upset and just complicate the issues in Syria, Iraq, and Turkey even more now that the Kurds are actually being very successful in what they do, and we're going to be providing uh, weaponry to them. Uh, one last little thing that we have not been able to talk about um, is the tunnel collapse at, at the nuclear site in Hanover, or in Hanford, sorry, uh, Washington. Um, they, there's reports saying that radiation was leaking out of this tunnel, that we had no idea how long it was leaking out of there. And then there's reports saying, no, no, everything's fine. No, no radiation's leaking. So um, and we have a conflict going on there as well, which is just leading to where one more step into the direction of the, our climactic end. So, you know, I mean, the first is the economic war and then the actual war, and we see everything developing. And unfortunately, this uh, this trade deal with China and how everything's developed with the United States, that could be a catalyst to kind of blow the top off of everything. Especially, Clinton, when they say we're not using the American dollar. Yeah, that's the they end game is to. to remove the American dollar from the whole scenario. And once that happens, of course, we, we, we have to have Glass-Steagall back in place, Clinton. Do you understand? We, we have to have Glass-Steagall back in, in place. The pin has already been set. We have the banker bail-in laws. So they've already taken everything they can with these derivatives that are obviously worthless. I mean, I don't know how many American hedge funds... Well, let's interpret that. How many of the American people have their retirement funds in this corporation you keep talking about, this bank you keep talking about in Canada? Okay, so 
the derivative scheme is like running out of hot air. So you've got to get your banker bail-in laws first. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, use that as a justification because the bankers are going to come on the news. They're going to say, well, you guys said we can't steal money anymore and play with your money on the stock market, so the stock market crashed. Ladies and gentlemen, don't you realize that that's what they're going to blame the stock market crash on? Or am I wrong? Clinton, what is going to happen? I, I thought that you said before on – I think it was maybe your first broadcast that, that most of the stock trading is, is electronically done from these great big firms or whatever that run these hedge funds things, right? Well, if that be the case, if we pass Glass-Steagall and they're not allowed to play with the money like that anymore with these high-frequency uh, trading scams, and that's where all the volume is coming from, then it'll crash, right? Or, or am I wrong? No, you're exactly right. Um, most of the banks, what they do is they have it uh, computer animated uh, to where they uh, say if a stock hits this certain dollar amount, sell. And so they're all set up that way. So if you have something happen to cause the market to correct you know, quickly, all these triggers are going to be set and everyone's going to sell at the same time. So we could have a stock market crash because if this is done electronically, the instant Glass-Steagall is, is repealed, they, they could do it that very minute. Because once all this – that's where all the volume's coming from. If they stop that, it'll be nothing more than a dirt torpedo. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, if you think it crashed during – October 1929, imagine if they switch off the high-frequency trading because Glass-Steagall says they can't play with your money anymore. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I hope we're not being set up. I, I really do. I hope we're not being set up. But, uh, yeah, we heard about this nuclear reactor event. Um, very little has been posted on it. Of course… Ladies and gentlemen, of course it's what you're go they're going to tell you. Lay down, roll over, and go back to sleep. It's absolutely amazing. Brian, your closing comments, please. Well, before we go here, I wanted to point out something that happened yesterday morning. Everybody, uh, the commencement speech that happened at, I believe it's a Liberty University. Yes, indeed it is. Who is owned. His father, Jerry Falwell, had founded it. And now his son runs it. Now, I'm going to point out something real fast here, folks. You might want to go and watch that interview because, look, when uh, the commander-in-chief forward and did his little speech, he basically let everybody know in broad daylight, it doesn't matter what anybody says. I'm doing what I want. They get in my way. They better get out of it. And he laughed about everything that just happened here over the course of this week. Like I said, you might want to go out and watch that interview because let me point out some comments made here by Mr. Falwell. Falwell stated during one of the university's convocations that he thought, if speaking of the 2015 San Bernardino attack, some of those people had got 
What I have in my box back pocket right now that it would not have happened. He stated that he was astounded that President Barack Obama's answer to the problem was more gun control. He always thought if more people had concealed carry permits, then we could end those Muslims before they walked in and killed them. His comments were criticized by both Christians and Muslims. According to one report, Fowler only heard saying then we could end those Muslims before they walked in with and killed them, part joined out by his applause. Oh, it gets better, folks. Oh, yeah. January 2016, Falwell announced his endorsement for Donald Trump for the Republican nomination in the 2016 presidential election, causing some Liberty University alumni and other Christians to express concern that Falwell had sold his soul. On July 21, 2016, at the Republican National Convention in Cleveland, Falwell Jr. called Trump's America blue-collar billionaire one of the greatest visionaries of our time. In his endorsement of the candidate, he felt most likely to defend the right to bear arms, stop Iran from becoming a nuclear power, and appoint conservative pro-life justice to the Supreme Court. In August 9, 2016, an editorial in the Washington Post Falwell compared Trump to Winston Churchill. We need a leader with qualities that resemble those of Winston Churchill, and I believe that is Donald Trump. Folks, you might want to look into what Winston Churchill did in World War I and then continue to look at what he did in World War II. And by the way, the U.N. released documents this week. Britain and the United States really tried to stop this from coming out in the open because those documents prove that Britain and the United States had colluded with Germany to stop Russia. And on top of it, guess what else, folks? You might want to find those documents. Now, I'm going to point out something here that is quite crucial. If you're walking into a church and they are saying some very peculiar things, for one, that doesn't line up with Scripture, two, that somehow seems to be pretty much a full-blown strategic attack on those around you, you might want to check yourself on top of it. If you're going into a church, if they've convinced you that every single person in the world is the enemy, they've got a nice long list. No, the, uh, it's always been the Russians or the Japanese. We, we can continue to keep going here. They've got all sorts of enemies. And they've convinced these people that everybody else in the world is evil. All these other places are heathen, godless nations. No, folks, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. That's the lost. And that was the entirety of the message of the good news. So if you're rising up against those people out there are lost, first off, you might want to take a look in the mirror. Secondly, you might want to walk out the door. Because this is what's going on in our nation. You better not be taken apart in this. As John the Baptist led the way and stated, repent, for the kingdom is at hand. That message needs to go out loud and clear. With what we just saw happen this week, folks, everything has escalated to its point of no return. And it's going to get ugly real quick. 
That's my spiel. Thanks for joining us. God bless. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you can find us at ClintonCoWatch.com. That is spelt with a K-O-W-A-C-H. You can find us at intimetribune.blogspot.com. You can find us all on Twitter. Until, ladies, until next time, ladies and gentlemen, God bless. Godspeed.